don't need to know who I am. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, never mind. Don't. I don't have a partner. It's just me and the other me. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> my name is Paige. I exist on the other side of the country. <laughs> Excuse uh, me. I have to get my cat from eating a plastic bag. One oh, okay. Gary, I just called the vet for you. We're not doing this again. So today's topic is the 2013 film Prisoners. Um, I think it's probably my favorite, like police crime drama movie um directed by the greatest denis villeneuve and starring you, jake gyllenhaal and hugh jackman why do you have such connection with denis because you you talk about him a lot i i mean i think he's probably one of the best directors alive i find him very um inspirational and i really enjoyed the for one i, I love the fucking movies he makes i think he makes some of the greatest movies that come have come out in the 2000s and then I also, like, when you listen to the way he talks about his films and the way he interacts with his cinematographer, his editor, and his actor, he talks in a way that I haven't heard a lot of other directors talk, and he's always so much more compelled to do the art form of film. And you'll notice because none of his movies make any money. All of his movies are fucking flops. I pray to God Dune makes some some money. But, um... No, he's a, he's a director who's really way more interested in the experience of watching a movie. He wants to watch movies and tell stories that people want to watch and can connect with and have a good time doing it. And he uses every aspect of filmmaking from like the performance to the framing, to the sound design, to the color, every single step of it is all perfectly planned out. And I think it works in this incredible conjunction that I don't see other directors do nearly as well. I agree. I agree. He's he's very good. He's not my favorite director, because um, I just have a soft spot for weirdos. And he's he's not quite of a he's not a weirdo, but he is very much an artist. He's not a director. He's an artist first, and that's that's what's beautiful about him. He really thinks of each little piece of the movie, and is not just let's just get the story told. It's like yeah. okay, how can we put little details here and there? And it's it's beautiful. He really does make art. Which is part of the reason why Prisoners itself is such a good movie. And I always say, which is funny because when you when you study film, a lot of people like to use the word auteur as like a bad thing with directors because it usually means like a control freak. But it, it means like a director who's very art driven and who's has this entire vision in their head. And I always say Denis Villeneuve is like the greatest modern day auteur when it comes to making films. He just has every single step ready to go. And it's super inspiring and super incredible. And I've never like heard him be like mean or like disheartening in an interview. Even when he like has struggles, he's always like, he was talking once about Sicario. He's like, there was just one day that I just didn't feel good. And I still, when I watched the movie, I don't like that scene because I knew I was off that day. And I was like, Aww. he's like, I just didn't have, he's like the cast and the crew were doing great. He was like, I just didn't feel good. I didn't sleep well. And I just, I feel bad that I like, didn't get to pull everything out of that scene. But what a gentle man. He's the best. So you want to give a quick summary on Prisoners? Yes. So Prisoners is a movie about Jake Gyllenhaal being the best cop of his damn life. Um, we have Hugh Jackman, uh, who's been roided out from playing Wolverine for too long, so he's real fucking angry with his tiny penis. Uh, we have uh, Maria Bayo, who's just real sad. She's real sad. Um, and some kids get taken by a creepy man, but probably just damaged. And it's about the adventures of finding the kids and happy things ensue. It's Can you believe I didn't write that? I came up with that right here and now. I'm proud. That was pretty good. That's better than I would have been able to do on the fly. Way more cohesive. Thank you, I did theater. <laughs> I guess we can go through this, like, starting from the very beginning, which I think is a good place to start with, like, 
unpacking this movie because the first act is definitely the weakest and it's really good it's still a really good first act but it's definitely i think weaker than the rest of the movie and yeah. you can tell it's all just making plot devices making setups so that they'll pay off later and they all do pay off later but where, where where would you cut off the act at? Because I know they say the three act structure should be pretty equal, but where would you cut off the first act? Because I honestly don't know. So it's like um, right after the girls get taken, probably when he abducts Alice Jones, I would say is the end of the first okay. act, in my opinion. Okay, so that's a yeah. short first act then. That's like real quick. I mean, the thing is you think about it, but when you sit through that movie, you actually go through a big runtime without realizing it, which is another reason why I really like the movie because it's nearing almost three hours, but every single time I've watched it, I can't tell. And I don't oh, say yeah, that- Oh yeah, it doesn't- I don't say that about anything. It, it doesn't feel like that at all. Like you're completely entranced in everything. I like this, it may be too soon for me to just give my full review on this already, but I really think this is Denis, <clears throat> Denis Villeneuve's best movie. Like I like fucked up and crazy and this is fucked up and crazy. Yeah. You know, they actually, like, cut stuff from it because it was, uh, they cut, like, a bunch of, like, scenes insinuating pedophile, like, pedophilia, and they cut down torture scenes, too. They were supposed to be longer because it originally had an R rating, and they wanted to hit PG-13, so they cut down the torture scenes, and, like, there was, like, references to pedophilia in the script that they had to cut, too. This do this doesn't have an R rating? I thought no. it was rated R. No, it's a PG-13. Oh, my God. People are taking their 13-year-olds to go see this? Is it? I think it's 13, yeah, which is crazy. Because, I mean, I guess the only part of it that I would say is too too disturbing would be, like, the Paul Dano, with the reveal after they do all that oh. shit to his face. That's probably, yeah, that's... like, visually. The whole themes and, like, everything you're dealing with, they're very, like, it's, I don't want to say adult concepts, but, like, the ideas that he's portraying here, with, again, with the title Prisoners, it's like, who are the prisoners here? Is it the children? Is it the parents? Like, yeah. what, what the, like, these are things children can't grasp, so it's like, why even go for the PG-13 rating? Like, just uh, to appeal to a larger audience? Well, with, with marketing, the more, because, yeah, with ratings, they always try to aim for PG-13 because that's going to get the most people to go see it because parents who aren't, like, when people see an R-rated film, they already go into it with this, like, mindset that it's going to be gruesome, it's going to be violent, it's going to be explicit or sexual or something like that. Where PG-13, you know what you're getting, like, you know it's not going to go that far before you even get into it. So I think it allows you to explore films without being worried, like, is this going to be too much for me? Where, I mean, if you go for an R-rated film, I mean, R, I feel like the R spectrum is definitely stretched these days, too. Like, yeah. low, there's low R and there's, like, high R, where you're like, this is a yeah. fucking, somebody made this? <laughs> <laughs> somebody actually sat at a computer and was editing this and was like, this is my job, is to make this. <laughs> I, I love the concept of the director has this like fucked up idea and it's just the poor editor getting all the fucking footage like oh my god what, the <laughs> fuck? what have I signed up for I feel like this movie's fucked upness comes from your like ingestion of the information like the way you interpret everything that's happening as it's happening I think that that that's what makes it disturbing like you're I feel like being an adult is what makes it disturbing like your understanding of what's going on yeah, yeah. I, I, when did this movie come out? 2013? Yeah. Okay, so when I watched this movie, I was 19. And this is my first, like, I've watched it kind of, like, in the background, but this was my first time actually watching it as an adult again. Because, like, 19 is not an adult. I don't care what fucking 19-year-old yeah. wants to pick a fight <laughs> with me about that. They're fucking children. 
I watched it again now as a 27-year-old, and it had a much different impact on me, even though I'm not a parent. I'm not a parent, I don't plan on being a parent. It just, there was a lot more weight to everything the parents were doing, as opposed to, like, watching it as a 19-year-old and going, well, that's fucked up. And it's like, no, you don't realize how much they're risking and how fucked up this is as people who have established lives, pay taxes, like, have a mortgage. This yeah. is fucked. Hey, get away from that thing. Come on, let's go. No. I said let's go. Come on, come on. No, let's go. Let come on, come on, come on, come on. Wait, shh. You hear that? There's somebody's in there. Alright, I don't feel like getting all that. Let's go. Okay. Oh, you think it definitely makes Hugh Jackman and and the mom too. Everybody's mindset becomes super relatable. Um, yeah. Even if you don't have kids, because it's like, what what the fuck do you do in that situation? Yeah. So one of my notes here was I put stages of grief because we have quite a large cast of characters um, for a movie like this. Like there's and they all have very distinct reactions. To the scenario. So, so again, what happens is there are there are two families. There's um, Franklin, who is played by I forget his name. Terrence Howard and Viola Davis. And Terrence Howard and Dover. Viola Davis. Yeah, have a child named Joy. And, and Eliza. Then, it, Eliza. Oh, yeah, and Eliza. They have, yeah, they have the older daughter. They have two two children. A young one that's like what six seven. Yeah. Um, Maybe not even Joy. that old. Yeah, they're they're kids. They're like the you know tiny, in elementary tiny. school. Um, and then Hugh Jackman and Maria Bayo have, is it Bello or Bayo? I think it's, I don't know. I think Bayo, but you're I'm going to say Bayo because I'm Hispanic. Um, <laughs> so Maria Bayo, Maria Bayo and Hugh Jackman have a kid together named. Anna, oh, Anna call... they have Anna and Ralph because they have the 13 Anna. reasons why kid. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Honestly, giving his only good performance. We have Hugh Jackman and Maria Bayo who have a kid named Anna. Uh, and Anna and Joy go off, literally go across the street. They're, like, in a suburb celebrating Thanksgiving. They go across the street, and they're fucking taken. Like, literally gone. Broad daylight, literally at two in the afternoon. It's a little rainy. That's about it. Yeah. Um, and then the whole movie is just them trying to figure out who took the kids and, like, dealing with the loss of your child. And, like, trying, like, the different stages that you have. So, like, for example, I put stages of grief. I don't think that's inaccurate, but, like, different response types. Okay. Hugh Jackman is fucking anger. Just real pissed. Uh, Maria Bayo is, like, clear clinical depression. Just sad yeah. and doesn't want to live anymore. Viola Davis is complete dissociation. She's just completely checked out. Nothing is clicking. Nothing is registering with her. She's just constantly staring at a wall. Franklin is the only one that is, like together and this is like Terrence Howard and I, I use together loosely like he's still sad but I feel like he's handling the grief healthily it's because Does he's a gigantic sense? pussy what <laughs> Terrence Howard's character in this movie Franklin he's a, such a pussy he's a pussy Why from is... the first scene that he's in his daughter has been taken. Why is he a pussy about it? Because all he does is snivel and cry about it. He can't make a decision. His daughter has been taken. Okay, four people's daughter has been taken. They're not all fucking sniveling like Franklin is. <laughs> He's such a pussy. At least the fucking depressed mom stays in bed. 
Frank he's Frank out here being sad in public like a cretin. What yeah, is wrong like he with just him? everywhere he like he walks into a room and just starts crying. It's like, bro, just go home with that shit. Okay. So, um, so let's like break into this. So the daughters yes. get taken after playing on one of the, like the most stereotypical like shady RVs, just chilling on the side of the road. They play on it. I would it. live in it. You definitely would. I was expecting you to come out of that actually. When I saw Paul Dano, I was like, holy fuck, he looks just like Paige. <laughs> <laughs> All he needs is a wig and a flannel. <laughs> yes. If you, if you don't know, Paul Dano is the driver of said RV. Um, so he's the first suspect taken into custody in a really incredible sequence uh, where Jake Gyllenhaal oh. searches the RV. That the, All we, of those shots, Roger Deakins, hats off to you. Phenomenal. Can we take a, can we take a moment to properly introduce Jake Gyllenhaal? I was literally just, just saying, ah, oh, fuck. I oh. totally just skimmed over one of the greatest character introductions. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks. Did you have any of those um, fortune cookie things? My boss told me cops don't like fortune cookies. Oh, what year were you born? Like, were you a dragon or a snake or a horse? Or I'm a monkey. Oh, you're a monkey. You're very intelligent. <laughs> you have an ability to influence people. I think maybe you could influence your boss to lower the check. <laughs> no, I cannot. My boss is a rooster. So he's selfish and eccentric. That's. You cannot. Oh, it's so good. We have a low pan shot of his, like, hunched over, stressed out back. And he's. Jake Gyllenhaal's performance throughout this entire fucking movie is the best thing. Everybody talks about Nightcrawler. Fuck Nightcrawler. Fuck it. This is his best fucking performance. He's it's good. It's so good. It's so detailed. It's every little like muscle movement in his face is like calculated and planned. And you know, he plays, all that like, was the his best cop ever. That was all his. All that was it, his. Yeah, and the, the tattoo on his neck, the tattoo on his hands, his Freemason ring, all and like the blinking, all of that was improvised by Jake Gyllenhaal. I love. He's the blinking. so good. So throughout this entire movie, Jake Gyllenhaal does this like OCD blink where it's like a. Like, like an aggressive, and we, full squint, like, screw your eyes shut. Yes, and it, I was so convinced by it. The first time I watched this movie, I actually Googled, I was like, what's wrong with Jake Gyllenhaal's eyes? Jake <laughs> Gyllenhaal's eyes. Not not Detective Loki, because yeah. I was like, clearly he's suffering from something. No, it was a conscious thing he did. I, I did kind of a blink count. Um, we have, that I counted, I could have missed some. 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30. 33 blinks. 33 aggressive blinks. Aggressive and they come, blinks. He he actually did it in a pattern, so all the blinks, none of the blinks happen singular. They're always in either two or threes. Is that not cool? Is that not interesting? He's fantastic. He's so we good. Can go in, we can go into performances then, because everybody's performance in this movie is spectacular. Oh with, yeah, everyone's with, great. With a slight exception. <laughs> slight? It's he, like a six foot two Canadian man of an exception, who is absolutely Australian. fucking horrible. Australian. Oh, I'm thinking of Wolverine. Wolverine's yeah. Canadian. You fool. I mean, okay. <laughs> I know you think Hugh Jackman's a terrible actor. I think I would describe his acting as sufficient. He gets the job yes. done. He doesn't like when I see Hugh Jackman in a movie. I'm not going, oh my fucking god, yes, a Hugh Jackman movie. 
but I'm also not going yeah. like he's gonna ruin the fucking movie. I've never seen him yeah. ruin a movie. I wouldn't say he's always the best person in the movie, but I think like he gets the job done when it comes to what he has to do, which is emoting sadness and anger. <laughs> That's literally. <laughs> I it. I agree. I agree. so I. I, I like you. I'm never like, oh, this is this is a terrible actor. Like, I don't think he's the best. I think he was the wrong choice for this role. I think he was just available. And they're like, I mean, he does the job, so it's fine. Um, but as far as, like, him as an actor, like, I think he's fine. It's exactly like you said. You hit the nail on the head. He's sufficient. Everything he's in, I'm like, this is fine. This is exactly what needs to be portrayed. He's doing a great job. This just felt like the best actor in the high school theater. Who's like getting their first their first go at like a big production, and like yes, with the and big kids now? Because even you said the he's thirteen like, I have reasons to sell why it. kids even in his four lines is acting circles around Hugh Jackman. One hundred percent. Like if, everyone makes him look so awkward too. It does, and like hats off to him trying. I know he's putting his all into this, and you know what? Bravo, buddy! You get a good participation hug, but you gotta put something more than just anger. But one thing I did pay attention to while rewatching this movie was particularly looking at Keller, the character, more to see if there was something that was supposed to be there. So I don't know if it was like a direction choice or like just they couldn't really work with Hugh Jackman. I'm like, okay, let's say this all was intentional. Maybe this is exactly how he envisioned it. What is this performance telling me? And I'm like, what I'm getting, uh, literally what I wrote down was uh, Keller probably hits his kids and hits his wife. Yeah, he throws That's his son what... up against the door. Yeah, which something about the way the son reacted made it seem like that's not the first time that's happened. And probably... Also, the way the way that he talks to the son from the very beginning of the movie, you can already tell there's like that weird disconnect between father and son. And it's yeah. like, you haven't had anything to establish that that's true. And it's very bizarre, especially considering the movie opens with him hunting with his son and his son like killing his first deer or something like that. And he's like, congratulations, yeah. you got food for the table. But then he's just a dick to him for the rest of the movie. Yeah, that, that whole hunting scene, honestly, if... God damn fucking phone. Honestly, if there was one thing that I was going to cut, I would say we could do without the hunting scene. I think that's supposed to just establish that he's like a rough, kind of Republican countryman kind of deal. Very well, right wing. But I think that that's probably the best way to open up his character, though. That's probably the best character introduction because what I will say about Keller, the one thing that does, like, that I think the movie suffers from because of Keller is I don't buy him as a holy man. And that's the whole point, mm. well, not the whole point of his character, but like, he's supposed to be the ideal person that the Joneses go after. But I feel like in order for that payoff to be expected, I need to buy that he's a holy man. I know that he wears a cross and they keep it in the shot. They make it, like, they make a point to put crosses in the shot, lots of Christian symbols, and he's praying all the time. But for some reason, I just don't buy it. I, like, from the beginning of the movie, you kind of understand where he's gonna end up. There is a moment where you think Keller might get redemption, but, like, I never saw him as a godly man. And I know that when she talks, like, um, he doesn't drink anymore. I assume he probably got his religion from recovery programs or, like, rehabilitation. He's oh. probably one of those. So he's not, like, a full yeah. Christian or, like, born Christian. So I believe he's that. a born again Christian. Yeah, yeah, he's a born again Christian, which I, which that's what I say when I go through the movie, and that makes more sense to me. But that's really the only like disconnect that I have is I just don't buy that this guy really thinks that God's his way out. 
Yeah, so that's that's a good way to kind of trick yourself to believe it is that you know he's this born again Christian. But I think the the thing the reason I don't buy it is because what I get is that weird that weird religious archetype villain character. You you ever see Carrie? You know the movie Carrie or whatever. Yeah, with this with the crazy mom. mom. Yeah. Yeah, the mom is, like, devoutly religious and all yeah. that. And that's, like, a character trope in, like, all abusive parents is they're, like, devoutly religious. Yeah. And they're, like, abuse stems from God and, like, all this and shit. It, and yeah, it, it it's, blinds I've, them to their actual toxic behavior. Yeah. I've seen it so many times and it's, like, yes, I get it. This is crazy when you first see it. But, like, you've been doing this since the fucking 60s. Like, yeah. I've seen this character so much. I think if they had taken religion out of Hugh Jackman's character, Keller... I think it would have been less jarring. It's like, oh, he's just an angry dude, probably suffering from alcohol yeah. brain or something. But the religion thing is just odd. It's well, just I weird. think, well, it has to tie back into the, their war on God, and it justifies why we're following Keller's story and not one of the countless other children that they yeah. have kidnapped. Um, yeah, the whole movie is riddled with religious symbolism. Just like, oh, just I mean, crazy. it's just riddled with symbolism in general. I don't know if well, you. That um, as well. If you caught, there is a shot, and I thought it was interesting because it is kind of out of place when you actually look at the town that they're in, and it's one of the first shots where Loki's like driving into the suburbs, and it's like a shot of his car going into the suburbs, and every single house around him looks exactly the same. But I in, did catch in that. all the other oh. shots, the houses do look different, and I do think yeah. like because um, mazes are obviously a giant meta, like a me giant symbol, a giant metaphor in this movie is like being in a maze, being trapped in a maze, having to figure out a puzzle. And I yeah. feel like visually with the shots and with the framing, especially in the rundown apartment, I thought that the first time I saw this movie and then I thought it again, the way it's shot, you have like an idea of the geography of the apartment building, but I wouldn't like you can't walk through it step by step. Yeah, does that make sense? Yeah, no, See, that like, it looks is a mess. It looks confusing, like the way it's shot, the way all of those walls are half finished, like the staircases are in weird spots. Like you yeah. don't even really know where he's keeping Alex, basically until and, Jake Gyllenhaal comes in. And, and we even never still, go in the same way. Like no. there's every character goes in a different way, or it's just like an immediate shot of them inside the fucking thing. Yeah, it, it the layout doesn't make any sense. At and I think all. that's intentional. I, I yeah, I now that you say it, it isn't a good eye. Like Thank I, you. I didn't think about that till just now. Kubrick, Kubrick did that in The Shining. I, like, granted, it ain't Kubrick going, yeah, he's fine, whatever. <laughs> oh gosh, no. But he, he did do that in The Shining, um, where he intentionally made like the geography not make sense. I know this is talked about in that horrible like Shining documentary, but like I went back through it after watching that garbage piece of the documentary, and I was like, oh yeah, no, it really doesn't like it follows like non-Euclidean geometry yeah. to make it more confusing and claustrophobic. And the same thing is 100% done in that weird. Is that an apartment? I thought it was like an abandoned school. It's a rundown apartment complex. Okay. Yeah. I don't know why I was like, why does he own a school? Hey. Hey. Look, I know you're a good guy, right? I know you're a decent guy. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to tell you you're doing anything bad. I'm just trying to get the right answers out of you, okay? The real ones. That's all I want. Where do you usually park your RV, Alex? My aunt's house. Your aunt's house. She lets me park it in the backyard. The grass don't grow back there anyway. It was my husband's. It's for sale if you want it.
we talked about the incredible shot that they used to, or the sequence, it's not a shot, the incredible sequence that they used to reveal Paul Dano, which is like Jake Gyllenhaal investigating him in his, in his RV. And it's like in the middle of a rainy night. And for some reason he like drives it into a tree and then Jake Gyllenhaal like rips him out of the, of the vehicle. So I want, I want to talk about why he drives it. My audio is like spiking really bad and I want to make sure it's not going to be a pain for you to listen to. Gotcha. Um, I, I do want to talk about um, why Paul Dano drives his RV into a tree, just from a psychological aspect. So yeah. slight, we're jumping ahead a little bit, but it is revealed that Paul Dano essentially is suffering brain damage from being drugged his whole life yes. because he is one of the kidnapped children. But spoilers. I, yeah, spoilers. That is spoilers. <laughs> we will we'll cover Paul Dano in a second. But Paul Dano is like he's very mentally challenged. His brain didn't progress more than a ten year old because he's been on LSD and ketamine probably a majority of his life. Do you think they're still drugging him or do you think they stopped once no, he No, I once I feel like once he grew up and they realized he can't think at all. Yeah. <laughs> they're probably they like, I think this one's good. <laughs> um there's a point for whatever reason, I guess I would say you have to suspend disbelief or suspend disbelief for this one, but he he somehow has a Kentucky driver's license. I don't I yeah. don't know who approved this or how this happened. I don't know if you can just take the test. I mean, to be and, fair, like, he doesn't... Alex Jones isn't even his name. So I, I wouldn't put it... I mean, it's. I think that it's weird that they would go as far as to get him a driver's license when he doesn't... He's yeah. not even a valid human being, but... Yeah, you do yeah. have to suspend disbelief. It doesn't really come into play too much. All you, have you can't to call mentally challenged people not valid individuals. I just said, um, his driver, his driving might not be valid. Oh, I didn't say okay. he wasn't valid. I said his driving might not, like his, it might not be a professional, like an actual driver's license. It could totally just be fake. Because do they even live in mm -hmm. fucking Kentucky? It's fucking snowing. I thought it took place, I'm, I'm take convinced place? it takes place, I thought it took place in Michigan. Also, there, it could I'm snow in Kentucky, I could be super American wrong. Animals, aren't I? American Animals takes place in the East. It's at Transylvania University, which I think is the East Coast. It was filmed in Georgia. It takes place in Pennsylvania. That makes sense. Okay. So how he has a Pennsylvania license. Well, they said, I no, they do say he has, wait, did they say he has a Kentucky? I think they say he has a Kentucky license. So that it, might, it I, might it be might a fake. Be a, it might be fake. That's why he has an out-of-state license. Could, so it's probably fake. That's a good point. But, like, why why would he see the cops and run? What do you think made him be like, I have to run? Yeah. Like, I get it. He's mentally challenged and, like, hasn't progressed past a 10-year-old. But he doesn't seem to fear people. You know, he... Yeah, but that's... I also noticed that, too, later on in the movie when... Uh, spoiler, when he assaults Viola Davis. It's, like, the yeah. one kind of crack I see in that character where it's, like, where does this crazy survival instinct come from? Like, there's half a moment where, like, yeah. he's sometimes acting like a 10-year-old boy, but when push comes to shove, he's acting like a fully functioning adult. But then, Yes. He, yeah. yeah. And also, like, yeah, I don't, I don't get the... I think... I assume the tree, he's probably just nervous, so he just, like, steps on the gas, but, like, why is his car running and... Yeah. I don't know. It, it's... It's a little odd. That whole... Uh, granted, I love the shot. I love the whole scene. But I, whenever that scene happens, I'm just like, why is he doing this? He Is it because he knows he took the kids? Because it is revealed he took the kids. 
Kind so of. he must understand to some degree, but then they're like, but he also can't take a lie detector test because he can't understand the question. It's like, I feel like there's a weird juggle that's happening with what they wanted this character to be. Overall, yeah. I love the character. I yeah. think it's really interesting. I just feel like there's not a, a lot of solidity in there. Yeah, well, especially with how concrete every other character seems. Mm. Paul Dano's character does seem a little flexible, overly flexible yeah. for what he's supposed to be. Um, he but he almost works, feels like the MacGuffin of this. Yeah, movie. yeah, a bit, a bit. I feel like he honestly even becomes a MacGuffin <laughs> towards the yeah. end. He doesn't go anywhere. He doesn't say or do anything. But everybody's yeah. still talking about him and referencing him. Um, yeah. I will also say, since we're talking about Jake Gyllenhaal pulling Paul Dano out of the the van, something I I appreciate about this movie is the way it captures police brutality. There yes. are a lot of movies that glamorize police brutality, obviously. And then there are a lot yeah. of movies that kind of like dance around it. This movie, yeah. I feel like, has a good balance between when it's acceptable and when it's yeah. not acceptable, there are repercussions. Like yes. when Jake Gyllenhaal puts his hands on somebody and he's not supposed to put his hands on somebody, like you feel it in the scene, like the, everything is wrong. Um, yes. And I, I do appreciate that capture of it because, like I said, too many movies glamorize police going off the book and beating the shit out of random people. And even 100%. when they're, even when Hugh Jackman, like you're, you're kind of rooting for Hugh Jackman. When Hugh Jackman asks them to hold Alex for an extra day, they're like, Jake, can't, he can't do it. He's not allowed to do it. He won't do it. It's not part of his job. Even though yeah. in, mo in a lot of situations, you see a father like this, you empathize with him. You're like, dude, I know. I'm sorry. Like, fuck it. This guy didn't do anything, but let's just hold him for another day. Um, yeah. So I, I appreciate the way that they showcase that. It is. It, it does show kind of the inner workings where it's like it is this sort of like systematic thing. Not not to get political, but it is a systematic thing where it's like there are, there are so many inner workings where it's like it's just it. Nobody wins. Nobody fucking wins. Even the yeah. good cops inside don't win. Even the good cops are flawed. They have issues. And Jake Gyllenhaal, even though I call him the best cop ever, he makes mistakes. He makes huge mistakes in this fucking movie. Even when he approached the RV, like, he came at Paul Dano hard. Like, yeah. just get, get the fuck out of the car! Put your hands up! Put, like, like, he doesn't know who's driving, he doesn't know what's going on. Yeah. But he went in there, like, just fucking, like, ready to kill this dude, just convinced he took those kids. Yeah. I kind of feel bad because everybody gives him such a hard fucking time. And he's literally, like, the only person in this movie, because I feel like the biggest parallel in this movie is, like, the way Jake Gyllenhaal and Loki, like, pursue the case and the way Hugh Jackman pursues the case. Who's, like, yeah. diverging from... Who's getting trapped in the maze and diverging from God's path. Who's solving the maze and walking their way through it. And that's the, the biggest yeah. difference. And he's, like I said, he's the one who's doing things correctly. He's trying to solve this puzzle. Hugh Jackman's just bursting his way through it. Yet, everybody's shitting on what Jake Gyllenhaal's doing. Everybody, Everybody's blaming him. His, um, yeah. his boss is a fucking dick. This, that scene that you were telling me about when he's like, I need to know where everybody is. You do your job, let me do my job. I'm like, I love that, yeah. I love that scene because he's like, he's like, bro, I'm, everybody's yelling at me to do my job and that's what I'm trying to do and nobody's letting me do it. And he keeps like a yeah. positive, I guess not really a positive, but he just keeps going because even the parents start to blame him and Hugh Jackman is horrible to him. Um, yeah. 
Because I feel like that plays in like this OCD thing that he set up where it's like he has to solve it. If he doesn't solve it, he won't feel complete. And he doesn't really stop. He doesn't want to stop, even though yeah. he has no leads. And and not to spoil anything, but Loki doesn't solve the case. No, he doesn't. It, it happens by, by pure happenstance of his boss making him go to Marissa Leo's house. And he's like, I don't want to go. And he just happens to stumble upon it. Yeah. Like that, that's something that I forgot is that in my, in, in the dream that is this character whom I love and adore, he solves the case. He saves the day. He really doesn't. It's all uh, yeah. just shit that happens to fall into place. And I, I love that choice. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if we want to get into this. I guess we'll, we'll oh, talk right. about it at the end. We'll talk about this at the end. Cause this is kind of a spoiler. Um, You're right. So yeah, they they find Paul Dano, they arrest him, but then they have no evidence at all that he has taken these girls. He is said to have the IQ of a ten year old, so they're like, if he was gonna abduct two girls in broad daylight, it's like almost impossible for this guy not mm -hmm. to get caught. Um, so Hugh Jackman is very very adamant that Paul Dano is the one who takes his kids, and he takes matters into his own hands and abducts Paul Dano. Yes locks him in this rundown apartment that he had left over from his father's suicide and mm -hmm. decides to torture him for information. And yes. that's where I would say act two begins. Oh my God, what did you do? Hello, what the I heard hell? them singing the same song they were singing on Thanksgiving, swear to God, Franklin, the same fucking song. And I told you what he said in the parking lot. Then we take him to the police? No, no, no. Please don't do shit. He'll just clam up and act crazy like he did last time. Someone has to make him talk. Someone. Shit, man, this, this ain't right. I mean, what, what if you're wrong? I'm not wrong. Don't, don't worry if you're wrong. What if, what if you only heard what you wanted to hear? What, what if... Man, I want my daughter back as much as you do, but Frank! it ain't right. Frank! We heard him until he talks or they're gonna die. Uh, this also causes our, our first conflict between um, our groups of protagonists. Because then we have, because yes. obviously everybody's on the same page at the beginning. Everybody wants to find these kids. We have the first divergent when Keller doesn't think that Loki's up to the job, that he doesn't think he's doing his job correctly. So he takes matters into his own hands and starts going his own way, which is, as you would expect, just the brute force way of just beating <laughs> this mentally handicapped boy until he can't speak or move. <laughs> Yes. And not allowing him to speak or move. Like, they, they literally, don't they, like, beat him up while he has tape on his mouth and tell him to talk or something? It's one of those things. I see this happen in movies, interrogation movies all the time, where he's like, tell me where they are. <laughs> tell me where they are. <laughs> it's like, he can't. You're either screaming in his face or you're punching him. How, when is he supposed to tell you? When is he going to be like, they're in the maze on 4th <laughs> Street, right by my mom's house, underneath the Trans Am. <laughs> like... When is he supposed to get time to tell you? And that's for a not mentally challenged person. Yeah. Imagine someone having to happen to them and being mentally challenged. Yeah. It would not go well. I... Also, like, if he I wasn't... Me. <laughs> it's like hitting him is not... You're going to take brain cells away. <laughs> he doesn't have any to spare. Leave yeah, him alone. you're, He's like, lowering your chance. So... So they kidnap they kidnap Paul Dano and first it's it's just Hugh Jackman just Hugh Jackman takes him because Hugh Jackman is the wild card in this story apparently Hugh Jackman, even though he's Hugh about Jackman's as predictable as a fucking Bible <laughs> yes or it's just abuse which I will um, say he, is kind of a plot hole as soon as 
fucking Paul Dano goes missing, why isn't Hugh Jackman the first person they follow? He goes missing yeah. a day after Keller assaults a him. A yes. day after. You publicly yes. saw Keller assault him. He went into the detective's office, said that he knows something, asks you to fucking reprimand him. You don't, and the guy fucking mysteriously goes missing. Why is Keller not the first fucking person you investigate? Sorry, you were saying something. Um, Hugh Jackman is the first one to take. He's the he's the one that takes Paul Dano's character, Alex Jones, and he has him, and then he immediately goes and tells Franklin. Like he literally kidnaps and immediately is like, yeah. I I almost need more people on my side so I'm not alone in this. And like, of yeah. course, Franklin, whom you call a pussy, I call he a is. good man, but you know, we all have definitions. Uh, is just literally says the phrase, "What have you done? Like, why have you done this? Like." Because, of course, I feel like that's how any rational person would react despite what they're going through, where it's like, what the, you can't just kidnap people. Yeah. I don't care how distraught you are. So Franklin then gets roped into this thing with Keller, which, honestly, I feel like every character is afraid of Keller. And I think that's the only reason Franklin doesn't do anything. Well, they also set up in the beginning that he's, like, aggressively persuasive. So it kind of yeah. already sets up that Keller has this, like, not necessarily, like, intentionally manipulative edge to him, but he knows what to say in order to get people to do things that they don't want to do that he wants them to do. It but does. yeah, Frank, I, Franklin's I never... afraid of him because he's a pussy. He's not a pussy! Stop! He, he can't even play the trumpet with those big flappy pussy lips. <laughs> so, neither can you! So Keller, I I don't know that Keller is manipulative. I just think he's, you ever meet this like crazy Republican that you're just like, you haven't said one word to me, but I'm afraid of you. Yeah. I feel like that's Keller. Oh, like yeah. I, he, everybody's just, he doesn't need to be manipulative for people to be afraid of him. He's fucking Wolverine. So yeah, he takes Paul Dano and with the assistance of Franklin Terrence Howard, they beat the absolute shit out of him. Well, Terrence Howard oh, mostly just holds him down. Wolverine beats and the cries. shit out of this guy. Yeah, he holds him down and cries. <laughs> um, and then I want to say this is the point where Jake Gyllenhaal finds the other guy? Maze Boy? Yes. This plot seems simple upon first watching, but as you think about it, you realize it's really woven. Like, it's there's yeah. lots of threads. That's another thing that I'll, I'll say... One about this movie and two about Denis as a director. Um, what I've noticed about the movies that he does is he's really excellent at making you solve a movie, but like doing it at like just yeah. the right tempo. Once you see the movie, you're like, oh, I get it. This makes sense. But like as you're yeah. going through the movie, you're like, wait, 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 what? Wait a second. Um, yeah. And I feel like another one of his movies, Arrival does that really well by throwing you these breadcrumbs of information throughout the entire movie that you're like, oh, okay, there's that, there's that, there's that. And then you get to the end of the movie and you're like, oh, wait, what the fuck? And, um, this is stuffed animal we got over. She was too because she's afraid to sleep by herself. Please tell me where my little girl is. Please tell me where my little girl is. Later, um, Viola Davis 
gets is, a bit. yes, gets brought in and she has a different reaction than what I thought she was going to have when I first watched this. Now, I know her reaction now, but when I first watched this, I thought she was going to be on Franklin's side where it's like, we have to stop. She's not. Oh. Yeah, to be fair, she, as soon as I saw that it was Viola Davis playing her, I knew it wasn't going to be as easy as, oh, this is so sad. I was like, nah, she's not going to. Franklin's the pussy of the family. <laughs> Viola Davis had the backbone. He's not a pussy. He's a pussy. He's, he's a sane person that realizes shit is illegal and they can't just kidnap people and beat them into oblivion for their fucking own sanity. So he runs but, and tells his wife. <laughs> Fucking! <laughs> he runs and tells his wife. Oh my god! She literally writes him out of the movie herself. She's like, "We're not gonna get involved, but we're not gonna stop him from his process." And that's like, okay, end of the birches. Nobody gets. Uh, yeah, they do. They do just get cut out. <laughs> yeah. They. So Viola Davis comes in, and she. What I thought my reaction was gonna be was similar to Franklin's, which was, oh my god! But no, she fucking takes his masks or the bag they have over Paul Dano's character's head. That framing of the and sink, that's, too, to the room oh, where, like, the yeah. sink is covering him, that's pretty sick. Oh, it's so good. And then we take it off, and then we see the reaction shot of Viola Davis. I love the sequence, and then we have a hard cut to just some of the most fucked up special effects makeup Great I have too. ever it looks seen. Good. It looks good. It looks It looks so... Well, the trick to all special effects makeup, make it wet. And they made that shit as wet, wet. as possible. Yeah. It is... It is glistening and it, yeah. it's so gross what we see is paul dano's face swollen like three times the size like it's swollen bloated shut. and shot huh? his face is swollen shut like every orifice in yeah. his face is basically closed and covered in blood everything like he his entire left eye is completely gone what i did like was the choice to leave his right eye slightly open so and you like can see paul shot. dano kind of move yeah. yeah, to still get kind of that personal connection of like, oh, there's a person in there behind this swollen mask of a face that literally cannot move and I know hurts. Just yeah. hurts so fucking bad. Well, the only word he just, fucking gets out is help me. Yes. It's it's so... it's When I saw that the first time, I was just shocked. I was like, Jesus, how, how do you keep going on a person that looks like that? I mean, we well, let's keep going through the movie and find out. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they find they find Paul Dano in the apartment. He's tied to like a toilet or like something near a toilet. He's in a bathroom. He's in one of the rundown bathrooms of the apartment. Viola Davis tries to release him. He tries to fucking kill her and get out of the apartment. And um, that's when they uh, Hugh Jackman puts his carpentry to to good use and rigs it so that he can board Paul Dano up into the shower with only a singular like tube to speak through yes. and to breathe through and he rigs the water in the shower to either be freezing or steaming hot um, so that's his new way of torturing so to answer Paige's previous question where do you go with somebody who's that close to dying you start throwing boiling water on them well not quite boiling because that would that would burn his skin right before boiling just very uncomfortably <laughs> hot water on a you know swollen bruised and bleeding person he shuts him in in like this balsa wood tank yeah. where he like he says he has just enough room to sit down or something which He's is just like enough room to sit down yeah i mean not even solitary confinement is that fucking bad like that shit is fucking nuts 
every shot of him in that shower, you never see him fully in the shower. Every shot is just the eye. Is just him lit by that peephole. Which is, I like, think, oh. great. It goes back to what you were saying about the eye. Like, there's still a person yeah. in there. Uh, well, so they arrest another suspect, which we'll get into, but they find, like, the bloody clothes, and they bring the parents in, because they're all children's clothes, and they need to identify to see if they belong to any of the girls. The Birches come in, some of the clothes are Joy's, and then Keller comes in and finds Anna's sock and looks at Loki and says, you wasted time. Uh, so there's a big theme of accountability that Loki seems to be the yeah. only person willing to take, and even when it's not yes. his fault... He's so willing because he's the like best. He is. He really is. Throughout the whole time that this has been going on, like what we've been talking about, we get like splices in of what Loki is dealing with, um, which is basically Tom taking Hiddleston. shit, basically just taking shit from the entire cast of this movie. So while he's, yeah. um, he goes to one of the like ceremonies the the neighborhoods having where they like light candles at night to like try to get the girls home, and there's like search parties or whatever, and at one of these. Um, gatherings he sees like some weird creepy guy which I will say this is kind of a jump to immediately think that guy is suspicious like I feel like if he had run like two seconds later Jake Gyllenhaal would have no reason to follow that guy I don't think he was that suspicious yeah so here here's the thing with this whole movie is this whole movie takes jumps everywhere but it's just it's just to keep the plot going movie, like yeah. honestly they're gone for an hour and they're immediately like they were kidnapped yeah Where it's like oh if yeah, i that's... had gone missing for an hour my dad would be like she's doing something stupid she'll come back by night well also they go they're kidnapped and then five minutes later the kids like they were by the rv and it's like, yeah. wow, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Are your legs tired from jumping to that many conclusions so fast? I watched that scene real closely. I'm like, what What would make this man suspicious? Literally it's, nothing. Yeah, he's Even just the, weird looking. Like, it's almost he's like just, you're stereotyping. That, <laughs> we have this, this very strange looking man very lovingly touching a bear. And Detective Loki is like, that's the guy. Because he's guy. fucking Detective yeah that's the guy because he you know he's just a cop so he's just running after everybody and he guessed right because he then goes on in a pretty extensive foot chase for this guy that he loses if my memory does he lose the guy yeah wait no he does doesn't he lose him no no he he has to right because he shows yes, up he at does. his house yeah, no he does yeah he does lose him yeah because he shows no because um i'm sorry i was trying to remember they he chased him on foot then he loses him and it turns out he's um, in the tree. And that's when oh, he jumps yeah, and he down jumps on the him. tree. He wrestles with Jake Gyllenhaal. And then he fucking outruns the shit out of him. Wait, wait, wait. What comes first? The foot chase the or, or the, the priest egg? thing? The, shut up. What shut up the with priest, the jokes. The priest? Like when he meets the, the priest? Pri so you know how he gets told to go check? I think I think the priest thing comes first. I thought you said he had something specific. Um, I Tell him how he took the kids. He said... He took them in daylight. Sometimes... More than one child at a time. He said that. Did he say he was with anybody? He did it alone. He, he said he had a family.
تاثیر So there's a point where after they let Alex Jones go through, he's yelling at his boss and then he like exits that fight by saying, well, I have uh, three, um, three Nine. level four registered yeah, pedophile, sex files in a 10 mile radius. If you don't mind. That I have to go mind. look at. <laughs> what? Yeah. If you don't you mind. If you don't mind. mind. <laughs> and yeah. then we see him like knock on doors and stuff like that. And then he gets to the priest. The He, he goes to this priest, which of course is a sex offender. And he finds him drunk on the floor. And, you know, Detective Loki peers in the window, sees the drunk priest, and he goes, oh, I better check on him because he's drunk. Realizes, you know, he's fine. He's just unconscious from being drunk. And goes, well, can I have a look around to the unconscious body? Because he's Detective Loki and he has jokes and he's <laughs> a national treasure. Um, he goes and walks around and finds that the priest has moved his fridge over, like, a cellar door. Um, into the basement. So he moves the fridge, finds that the stairs are gone, and of course finds a dead body. Dun dun dun! A, a dun, dun, heavily, dun. A, a not leaf, a not freshly dead body. If I can get the fucking no, sentence out, it is a pretty heavily uh, been dead body, pretty decomposed. <laughs> this this body's been dead for a while, um, and it has a little necklace on it and like some decayed decayed clothes. Um, so naturally, we have one of my favorite shots, which is just a hard cut of Detective Loki slamming the priest into the ground above the stairs and going, you want to explain this to me, father? It's so good. Detective Loki's the best. And the priest then says he came to me for a confession and said that he had killed, what, 16 children? Yeah, he and took he'll them do in broad him. daylight and he was bragging about it. He'll do it more. Yeah. And it, at first, it seems... I remember when I first watched this movie, I was like, that's weird, but okay. Like, I, I, it really didn't even register. I don't even think I connected it to anything. It was so it was so interesting the way my, the movie made my brain intake that information, where it was just like, okay, and that's a scene, and move on. Yep. Did yep. you, ha did you yes, have that scene? Yes, 100% yeah. did. I, I, the only thing about that scene that made me like kind of be like I'm, I should remember this for later was the necklace because they make a very obvious point to have it yeah. in the center of the frame and there's like a bunch of light shining on just the necklace yeah just the the necklace the necklace had its own lighting crew well yeah um, I mean I, I heard that and I was like like I felt like I knew what like I knew the information was important but I was processing so much of the rest of the movie that I didn't know what to do with it I was like, this very yeah. clearly has something to do with, which is what happens with most of this movie when you get the information, where it's like, I know this has to do with something that's going on here, but I have yeah. only a slight inkling as to what it, what it might be. And it's most of Detective Loki stuff. Most of Detective Lo Loki stuff just feels like plot points that only then come together at the end. I feel like, I feel like Loki kind of blows that off a bit too quickly. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like he's like very, I he's said, very much like this. This is basically the guy that you're looking for, just dead. And he just goes, "Well, that's not helpful." And it's like, yeah. "But, but it might be. <laughs> it is actually helpful." And like conveniently, he kidnapped kids or whatever and stuff like that. In and broad also, daylight, didn't, didn't he also at a time? talk? I like I know it's movie universe or whatever, but it's like if I had talked to a woman who said my husband ran away from me five years ago and I found a corpse that suspiciously suspiciously looks five years dead <laughs> i think i would then sit there and go maybe this is her husband i should call her and see if she can identify a body yeah 
Like, what detective work are you really doing, Loki? Just watching those security tapes? Loki's perfect. He has flaws, but he's a perfect angel. I should have broke out my Bible and, like, gone through Because I feel like the names have a lot of symbolism. Because they're all, like, biblical names. Well, it's because Keller's supposed to be a holy man. It's a war on God. I know, but I wanted to get the, like, religious exact why they pulled those names and stuff. I mean, they picked the names Grace and Joy. I gee, I wonder what made him pick those ones. <laughs> I know he didn't really try too hard, and the cliche of having the Lord's Prayer being said by this apparent devout, like this oh, is I my love issue with the Lord's Prayer. I hate that's, that's it. like everybody's go to. <laughs> it's either that or Psalms twenty three. Like even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, like that oh, fucking yeah. verse. Yeah. Pick a fight. You have a thousand and two hundred pages of the Bible that you can use. And I pick a deeper cut. Going back, oh, I mean, if we're gonna talk about names, everybody talks about this, but Keller, Seller. Keller is the German word for seller. He ends up in a cellar. Spoilers. And then, um, is, G- I didn't know Gyllenhaal this. Finds the body in a cellar. Yes. Keller, Seller. I don't, I don't name. watch, I don't read a lot of stuff on this movie. I just kind of, I just like to watch it. Um, but I know there's like tons of analysis on this movie, which as there should be, it's a fucking great film to analyze. Oh yeah. But I we- mean, but the thing with analyzing all movies is like, what about it is intentional? What do people just pull and just be like, oh, this is something. <laughs> That's how I feel about Kubrick. Like people, people will pull shit from Kubrick. And I was like, this is just a crazy man the- that made all some fucking crazy- time with Spielberg. All the time with Spielberg. With Spielberg? Spielberg is I, very I- direct. I- in one of my classes, we literally just sat and went through Jaws, like basically frame by frame. My teacher Jaws. would pause it, would pause it every five seconds and be like, look, this is why Spielberg is using, look at how Spielberg is using this fence. And it's like, oh my God, no. It's like, it's to show the separation between the people on the sea. And I'm like, no, it's a fucking fence. And they're like, you'll notice that. Oh, he's like one of the, one of like the cutouts in one of the fences looks like a dorsal fin. <laughs> and I was oh like, my no. God. No. Who was None your professor? I can't Who say. Who pre- He might. He might listen to this. He'll know. I'm gonna have He'll explosive know. diarrhea on his desk. Back to prisoners. I don't even know where this fucking where the act stops for Act Two, because halfway through Act Two is supposed to be like the climax. I don't know what in this movie counts as the climax because I would say it happens at the fucking end, which is crazy. But I guess I guess the climax would be like discovering that. It, the other guy or how how close can you have a climax to the ending because like yeah i would say the climax is when the big reveal happens of who it is and keller like figures it out and stuff which the do we want to jump to how keller discovers that it's marissa leo the whole time uh sure it's when joy gets brought to the hospital hospital and um, Joy does wake up from her little coma. I'm gonna put my mic back down. I don't know why I picked it up. I have ADHD. Joy wakes up and says a couple words to Keller. And what she says is literally a line that almost feels ADR. I fucking hate this line. She's like, they put tape on our mouths. And then she goes, uh, and you were there. And Keller goes, I have literally been three places, um, home, the liquor store, the apartment, and then he remembers the fourth place, which is he went back to Marissa Leo's place, who is the aunt of Paul Dano's character. And he 
yeah, his keeper, he starts to, like, feel bad that he's basically killed Paul Dano. Um, so he goes there. What What is his mo- is it- do you think his motivation was because he feels bad, or do you think he was trying to figure out information from her? There's definitely a moment where he feels remorse about what he's doing. Because he's not so let getting him go. any information. Yeah, he's not getting what? any information from him. Well, because, I mean, that's a fucking first-class ticket to prison. <laughs> I mean, he's fucked no matter what, so why yeah. he even tried yeah. is- like, just a joke to me. So he he goes to Marissa Leo's house, and he asks some questions and, like, just kind of chats with her. Like, honestly, has a nice little suburban Midwestern fucking chat, like yeah. old people do in their suburban houses. And then he leaves, and then when he goes to the hospital to see Joy, Joy says, you were there. And he's like, I only know of one other place that I could have actually been, and it was at Marissa Leo's house. So he goes back to Marissa Leo's house, fully knowing, fully knowing Joy is there. No, Anna's, Anna's still or there. Or Anna. Joy's the one I'm sorry. Did escape. All kids are the same to me. I don't care. We have <laughs> girl one and girl two in my mind. So we we have um, Keller fully, like, sprints, like, just does a full fucking Tom Cruise run out of that goddamn hospital, blows past the cops, drives over a fucking curb into can oncoming please, traffic. Can we please quick reference that every time Keller's driving, for one, Keller only drives his company truck that has his name printed on the side of it. His full name, Keller Dover Carpentry. And I, I there's never deal. a time where he's driving that car and it doesn't swerve. It doesn't, every time it's all over the fucking road. In that one scene alone, when he drives it over the median, it skirts as he pulls out of the fucking parking space, he drives up over the thing, he spins it again into the street, and then as he drives away, it fish tails again. Do the you car think is fish tailing every time he's driving it. Do you think that was intentional, or they just got a shitty car for that fucking I film like, shoot, and they're like, fuck? It seems, I mean, it seems intentional. It seems like one of those things, though, that they use it, and then you don't realize how many times you use that effect until you see the final cut of the movie. We're like when you're because I imagine like when you're cutting that scene, you're like, oh, what's gonna make him look like he's in a hurry? Oh, this one, he's you know, he fishtails his car when he pulls out, and it's like, but then three hours later, you know, you're doing a different scene, and you're like, oh, what should I do here? Oh, he fishtails when he pulls out. Fishtail. But also, and also, he's like, I know it's like a like a line just to make up an excuse about why he's not fixing up the apartment, but he's like, we're barely getting enough carpentry work, and it's like maybe it's because you drive around like a fucking maniac with your company's name printed on the side of your truck, and you're spending that's all your profit no money on your doomsday shelter in the fucking basement. How many cans <laughs> of corn do you need, Keller? <laughs> Can we also take a minute? Why would you not? Tell Detective Loki why, like, I get it. You want to handle it, you want to say, but like, do a did. shout as you're running, like, I'm going here because of this, and then keep running. Because he's, I mean, that would that would be out of Keller's character. That wouldn't make any sense if he did that. At that point, when he finds out you're at oh, the two hour mark, at that point, we have established that Keller is not going to ask anybody for help. <laughs> The one person he did ran and told his wifey and then cried about it in the corner. <laughs> well, fair, fair. I just, I I have such a hard time believing Keller's character because it feels like such a cardboard cutout of a man. Like, I also, there's we'll, no we'll go along depth. with that just because this, this note references kind of this and it happens all the time in these detective shows. Why the fuck do these detectives go into a suspect's house alone and without telling anybody? Like, Loki? 
Loki did- wait, for the priest maybe, but for Loki, he went in because he was told to notify uh, Marissa Leo that they found Paul Dano. So yeah, he was just yeah. there ringing a doorbell. Yeah. But I hear what no, you're saying. Your feelings yeah, are valid. I, <laughs> thank you, thank you. I like to feel valid. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he finds out it's uh, Marissa's character. Holly Jones is the old lady in the movie, her name. Holly and Jones. Hunter Jones. Yeah, he Who pulls up and also awesome. great. Yeah, she's spectacular. She's so like, oh. She so, does such you... a great job of making it seem like it isn't her because spoilers, it is her. She's the culprit. Yeah. And she's in the movie just enough where like, you know, she's there and you know she's got something to do with something. But there's so much other shit and everything's pointing to everything else. I had never even thought to think about her. Yeah. I, I, when I first watched it, I don't know, I think I was so just like, I know they're gonna tell me, I'm just gonna sit back and relax, that yeah. I stopped trying to solve it. Oh, And yeah. I remember when they did tell me it was her, I was like, that's a really good choice. That, yeah. like, I probably couldn't have thought of anything better. Like, cause it's, yeah. it's so not something you see, first of all, it's a woman, which, yeah. it, it's, it's an old lady. She's white, so I guess we gotta stereotype there. But she she seems old and like pudgy and run down. The like makeup they did on her and like the the costuming that they did for her just makes her seem like the most like you wouldn't predict her in a thousand years. But it's her performance and the way she kind of talks throughout the entire movie that leaves enough of a subconscious thread that when it is revealed, you're like, oh yes, definitely yeah. yes. It's so good. I think there's um, a song. Sorry, you were saying. I just want to say. I just want to say the line that she says that I love so much. It's when when Keller knocks on the door and she's clearly like holding the gun. The big reveal: she has the gun and the towel, but she like has this towel over her hand, and Keller kind of looks at it and she goes, uh, "I burned my hand on the stove. Feeling a little icky today." Like it's just such a mundane line that I just I was like I have encountered so many old women that literally talk just like that. Like they say I did a thing, this is why, but like it's like almost the two aren't related. Yeah. It's just that is I love that little piece of dialogue so much. It probably means nothing. Please cut this if it's boring, but it oh, it just it gives me chills I think every it's time cute. I hear it. It's so cute. That whole sequence is pretty good and it's really uh, I'm trying to think of the word. I mean, it's anxiety inducing. Especially because you go through that sequence twice. Because you go through it with- And it's another thing, another like parallel between the way Keller does things and the way Loki does things. Keller yeah. goes in, he thinks that he's got the upper hand on her, so he's ready to just bust through. Yeah. And he gets got. And I think um, that whole sequence where she makes him put on the handcuffs, drink the LSD, like, he does all of it to himself, and I just think that is such a spectacular way to, yes. like, beat him. As it's like he, it's like watching him put on his own hand, like, cuff his own hands, and, like, yeah. start knowingly chugging LSD and ketamine. You don't know me, Mr. Dover. But believe me when I tell you I won't let you go. You don't have to drink all of it. About a third should do for a man your size. Something to make you more manageable. Forget it. Drink it, Mr. Dover. 
I'll kill you right here in my kitchen and bring your daughter in here and have her scrub your brains off the floor. Drink. Just let me see her. Want to see her? Yes. That's your ticket to your daughter right there. I love the choice to make it just grape soda for no reason. <laughs> oh, yeah, right? In a two-liter? Um, just... Two-liter of grape soda. Um, it's clear this the set crew went to a fucking gas station, picked up Fago, and peeled off the label. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, no, they can't I get also... it. in Pennsylvania. They don't have Fago. It's Michigan exclusive. You just dox That's what. That's why- uh, shut up! I'm from Michigan, it's okay. <laughs> a little detail thing that I noticed with some of the set design is the cuffs he puts on are rusted. They oh, are super rusted, yeah. They are rusted and old, and I'm like, that is a good- that is a good little- because most people would take a pair of shiny cuffs from fucking the prop department, but they well, took I mean, the time also, to rust those up. she's abducting children. She doesn't- why the fuck would she need handcuffs? But that's, like, like the attention to detail that Denise yeah. puts in, and he's like, she obviously would have a very old pair of handcuffs that she's been reusing and reusing and reusing. Yeah. Because it was the Just only one she got. Yeah. Um. I also, I mean, I do, I do also love that whole callback of the, um, the old people. Because, like, using that, that cocktail to fuck with people and to abduct them was such yeah. a popular way that old, like, people did back in this, like, the 60s, I want to say. Like, the 60s and 70s. Oh, really? See, I'm not a true true crime buff. I don't know shit about any of this. Is that something people did? Yeah, well, yes. Yeah, so, back in the day, when the government was experimenting with LSD and shit, a lot of serial killers use uh, high doses of LSD to drug people because it wipes your memory. If you do enough, if they force you to drink enough of it, for one, you, you don't know what the fuck is going on because you're tripping balls. Like, your brain starts forgetting things as they come into your mind. So people can, like, fuck with you. And, like, if you, like I said, if you give enough to a person, you will wipe months from their memory. That's how so many people got away with kidnaps and shit back in the day. It was fucking wild. I, that's why I think that's such a cool, like, it's scary. That's a scary thing to do to somebody. I, I didn't know any of that, and I didn't need to know any of that. But now I do know all of that. And now I am never oh. leaving my apartment again. So we have Keller shows up. He essentially gets kidnapped just like Joy and uh, Anna did. He gets thrown into the cellar. What did you think of Marissa Leo's villain monologue? Can I be honest? I hate it. You hate it? So I think this movie is damn near perfect with the exception of the villain monologue. I hate the- Really? She, she, you cannot tell me. Her pointing the gun at Keller. Oh, just, just for a good callback to our War of the Worlds episode- um, I have right here, Marissa Leo has a purse gun. Oh, shit. She does have a purse gun. She has it. a purse gun. But you can't tell me that when she's walking Keller to the car with her little purse gun, and she's saying all these things, that if she wasn't holding that gun, she 100% would be doing this. Just like, mwahahaha. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You fell for it. I kidnapped your daughter. Well, and she even okay, okay. Sorry. She even says a phrase that's like, I can't wait to throw your daughter's body down there if you're still alive. Like, Yeah. She does shit. start talking too much. She definitely starts talking way too much. She becomes but, a Disney villain. Okay, but like, to be fair, it's well like, done. But that's her, but that's her, that's her end game. She won. She won. She, she did win at that point. For one, Keller is on drugs. He is so fucked up, even if he wanted to take advantage of her while she's giving her monologue, he couldn't. Yeah. And she knows that 
she's got the kids. Like, even though she, they pretty much figured it out, she she won. She diverted him from the, the path of God. He's ended up in her cellar. The cops never found her. And yeah, it's it's one of the one of the reasons I love the ending of this movie so much is because it's like it's like the unhappiest happy ending that you can get. Yes, because um, like nobody it, really wins. The mom, I guess, because she gets her daughter back, but her husband, her marriage is a mess. Her family's in yeah. shambles. Her husband's a missing felon now. Yeah. Loki's been shot in the eye. I, I mean, the little girls won. Luckily. They won. I mean, they're brain damaged for life, yeah, I was but they say, won. They're traumatized and brain damaged. I don't think that I mean, any, nobody wins. No, nobody wins. But I feel like if anybody's the biggest winner, it's them because they're not dead. I, yeah, I mean, the biggest Maybe. winner in this movie is, like, Joy or Viola Davis. What about Alex Jones? I feel like he's the one. He, he's suffered. Alex. <laughs> well, on, he's the on, winner? He suffered the most. He, he went through the lowest peak to the point where he should be dead but came out alive. So I feel like, you know, he lost the most. So, listen, I, you know, I'm going to backpedal my way out of this ditch. So... <laughs> Yeah, it made sense in my head, but it doesn't coming out of my mouth. <laughs> that is that is just the story of Paige, to be honest. <laughs> I was like, this, that needs to be on your gravestone. <laughs> it, made sense, it made sense in my head, my but not coming out of my mouth. <laughs> um. Okay, so Alex Jones is the, so yeah. No, nobody wins. I do agree with you there. I'm just trying to find somebody that won less or like lost less than the other person. But I guess it's no Loki. Loki lost Loki. the least. Well, actually, no. Oh my God, can we just say the cycle of Loki and how he'll never catch a goddamn break? He, he is literally an angel. His first off, he's got this entire both of these families up his ass about finding these two girls. He has no idea what the fuck is going on. He's doing his best. Two and a half hours pass, over a week, he finds these girls, the stupid husband goes missing, the wife, while he's in the hospital, suffering from a gunshot wound, he got saving her daughter, goes, you're gonna find him, aren't you? Bitch, what the fuck? <laughs> Can he just take a break, please? He's still bleeding. Holy fuck. Like, the devil works hard, man. The devil works hard. Angel's gotta work even fucking harder. <laughs> Poor Loki. I feel so bad for Detective Loki. I feel so bad for him. He tried He tried throughout this whole movie, and he didn't even solve it. He didn't solve it. He No. He found it by happenstance because his boss was being a dick to him. He was like, I want you to go. I want you to go knock on Marissa Leo's door. And tell her that we found her son. And he's like, I don't wanna. I'm tired. And he's like, do it. So he does. <laughs> do it. I'm tired. He knocks on the door. He hears some creaking. He opens the door because he's like, oh, it's just a it's a weak old woman. I just, you know, she's gonna love the news about her battered son being found. And then he goes in and finds her drugging a child. And he's like, fuck, I'm not even on the clock, but okay. And it's like, <laughs> Fucking, could you imagine if he just leaves? <laughs> He's like, I'm not approved for overtime. <laughs> He's like, listen here, I'll Holly, this is how morning, it's gonna man. go. I am at my max amount of hours this week, so. <laughs> I already did my overtime gonna, for this month, I can't have it We're anymore. gonna walk away and just pretend like we didn't see anything here, and I'll come back tomorrow, get the cuffs ready, 
a body bag probably <laughs> you just you just hold that thought holly just hold that yeah. thought right there i'll be right back i could really <laughs> use a drink right now <laughs> but detective loki being the angel that he is shoots marissa leo she has a great parting line which is uh didn't you say it before it was a uh, cream made me i sure do, sure as hell don't want to be buried in some box <laughs> no i don't think so that's a great i could have i could have sworn you said that but she does her final line is she she has to have a one-liner and it's cremate me i sure as hell don't want to be buried in some box which is like jesus fuck but she still shoots at loki loki of course hits her multiple times loki gets hit in like the eye or something or like the side of his head so he's like concussed. yeah it's like the temp like front temple so it's not like so it grazes him in the front temple it, it grazes him but it definitely gives him like a concussion or something like with the speed. i mean yeah also like it causes his eye to just like profusely start fucking bleeding or like his head yeah that whole yeah. sequence the shots that the driving shots sequence is driving is so, so good. good um there's a specific the shot out from outside of the car i love this shot they use it in um a movie called collateral which has some of the best like in-car shooting i've ever seen it's with tom cruise and jamie fox it's really good um but the shot where it's on the outside of the driver's side car and it's just like the car on just the left side of the frame like the very left third is just Jake mm-hmm. Gyllenhaal, and the rest of it's just the road and just like all the flurry, and it's like on, like mounted on the car. I love that shot. Mm-hmm. I think it's so good. And then there's the other one, like the the POV of the car as it's like getting hazier and blurrier. And we're from Michigan, like uh, we've experienced those car rides where it's so snowy you can't oh, see God. where you're going at all, and that captures it perfectly. It's and I'm not so even good. And I have child. astigmatism. So, like, astigmatism makes it even worse, which I feel yeah. like Loki basically had with his fucking concussion. Like, it, the roads literally... He was doing it with, like, half an eye. Yeah, he... Like, the roads get that awful. I flipped my car on one of those roads. Like, they fucking suck. And he, he drives full blast, and the whole time, like, Anna is foaming at the mouth in the back because she's been drugged with something. I don't think she's drugged with LSD or ketamine. I think he, holly like no, really tried to euthanize she, she, she her or something well yeah that's why she's um injecting her with something i think is yeah because like she's she's gonna kill her yeah um, so and holly's like foaming evil. he's driving with one eye one like literally at one point it's like one hand one arm like trying to shake her like to keep yeah. her from passing out yeah and like he's just being a fucking hero just a goddamn just motherfucking best. hero and an angel he just, and he's, he's not the driving. hero we deserve but he's the hero we need it's <laughs> not even the right line i don't care it's facts though we don't deserve him but we need him <laughs> you said it backwards i said he's not the hero we deserve he's the hero we need we don't no, deserve did him you? i don't know play it back and tell me in the edit i i will i'll keep i want i want a voiceover of you be like Paige. i fucking told you as you can see right here i fucking said it <laughs> He's, he's not the driving. hero we deserve, but he's the hero we need. And he's, he's not the driving. hero we deserve, but he's the hero we need. Uh, but like the the final the final big piece, as I said earlier, is the the Trans Am or the Grand Am. It's a, the, the fucking car. Yes. Um, yes, we have to go back to the car. On top of the cellar hole where Marissa is keeping all. Well, I guess Holly is keeping the children and ends up keeping Keller. 
is literally just underneath that car. She makes him drive the car. Also, that they make a point to show that that car has two flat as fuck tires. <laughs> I, they do. I never noticed that. Then when you see the car, make a point to show that every single tire on the car is flat. <laughs> like I, every I don't know anything about one. cars, so I would probably get in that car and be like, it's fine, and just try to drive it. Yeah. But yeah, she makes him back the car up. Oh, I do love that shot where he's like, I'm not getting in there. You're gonna have to shoot me. Just, and she just does. <laughs> she just shoots him right in the leg. Holly line. is not fucking around. No, she's like, I've done this before. <laughs> God. She's been around. Holly, she she's she's been around. She's seen some shit. Yeah, like killing she's children. Seen some shit, yeah. They have the car, which Loki actually points out. I believe. I think it's Loki. He's like, "What's with the car?" Oh. And she's like, "Oh, it broke down years ago. Never got around to fixing it." She asks, "Yeah, she asks him if it's if he wants to buy it. She says it's for sale, which I think is so funny because she's like, imagine if somebody said yes. Oh and my god, that's that's what I'm saying. Like she, like the little bits about her, because." Yeah, she knew she was gonna get away with it. She has no fear. Like, she has no fear of getting caught, or like, she doesn't give a fuck. Even when Loki catches her, she's not moving fast at all. She doesn't even comply with what he says. Yeah. She still tries to shoot him and still tries to take him down. She, she, she does doesn't care. Him. She does shoot him. She does shoot him. So the girls have been down underneath this car the whole time, and she, like, only just moved them or something, like, right yeah. before. And then she throws Keller down there, and I love the design. I know it's just a hole in the ground, but the way they shot it, it's so scary. Like It's I, terrifying. It's I mean, so, a hole in the ground is terrifying. I'll be honest. Is, you is, say, like, it's just a hole in the ground. That shit scares me. That's my biggest fear. Somebody yeah. dropping me in a fucking hole in the ground. But there's, like, Fuck shoes that. down there of, like, other possible children, maybe, and, like... Yeah, other people. Ooh. Like, there's just a bunch of miscellaneous. It's creepy. It's fucking gross. And then Keller's down there with his now-broken femur. And he finds... Oh, yeah. There is, there is one motif that I fucking hate, and it's this fucking red whistle. Oh, rather... the it's so... It's so pointless. It's so pointless, because, honestly, you could just have him yelling at the end. It doesn't have to be the red whistle. Which brings me back to the dream sequence. There's a dream sequence that I have su successfully forgotten for my six revisions of this movie. There is a- yeah, you forgot it too! Wait, there is- wait, I'm trying to- now I have to think, because I literally just watched this two days ago. Twice! I know! There- I what? saw it too and I was like, what? There is a, dream, a dream sequence where no, Keller wait, let me climbs into- he climbs okay. into bed with his wife after he walks home from being caught at the liquor store by Detective Loki. He walks home. Climbs into bed drunk, and then there is a brief dream sequence where he sees Anna standing in the corner. I swear to God, it's standing in the corner of the room holding the red whistle. And I was like, this is the most out of place fucking thing in this whole movie. No fucking way that ha I have Now I have to fucking rewatch it. I've watched it three goddamn times this week. How did I it not notice that? Fucking happens do you want me to find the time code for you it fucking happened i, I saw so. it too and i was like when the fuck and i literally checked my copy i was like am i watching like a different cut but no it was the standard cut damn was it the one on hulu yeah fuck yeah fuck damn i guess i'll have to watch it um oh i um i want to say this is such a fucking tiny little thing but one of my favorite payoffs in this movie is jake gyllenhaal's notebook when, oh um, yes! When the creepy, the other guy um, that he suspects 
crawls. We haven't into talked their about house. that guy at all. We just, I know. We just talked about keep, the actor. I keep, I keep like we keep talking about like that he's there, but we don't. Dive There's just into so it. much with this movie. It's so good. There's he's, so much. I, I love the ad of him because like his whole character, even though he's really not integral to the story at all. Oh yeah, he's and he's a well, he's a great subversion. Um, because yeah. I feel like especially like like you said the whole Alex Jones thing. If you actually think Alex Jones did it, that might be. You know, people who aren't thinking as much about the movie, but if you are thinking, then you immediately kind of cross Alex Jones off the list right away. So then yeah. when this guy pops up, you also want to cross him off the list, but then you're like, but he's introduced an hour into the half in the film. Like, what is, like, what's he going to be? And he's almost like, he's like a fake out, basically. His character does he, nothing. His character he only does really nothing, shows but... This, it's an example of the maze, like the long-term yeah. example. Yeah, exactly. What it does to these kids and the fact that it has been repeated offensive. I know we have like a brief thing with Alex Jones's real mom because, like we said, Alex Jones doesn't isn't the nephew of Holly Jones. It's one of the kids she kidnapped and just never killed. Yeah, just brain damage. And they interview his mom at the beginning of the movie. His mom, who's been without him for twenty six years, yeah, and is like basically just giving up all hope on everything. All she does is rewatch yeah. the last video she has of him. And she's just like, he's just gone. They're all just gone now. Yep, nothing happened. Some fuck shit. Yeah. And um, we see the long-term effect of what it does to one of the kids that, like, escaped or something. I forget how he escaped, but they do cover it. So weird that he just stays in the same town. <laughs> well, he's <laughs> fucked up! He had LSD as a fucking six-year-old! I know, true, but then how did he just survive? How does he have a house? <laughs> I don't know. That's that's all something. I wonder if he's on some sort of disability or maybe he lives with some or maybe he's like squatting in that house because there's literally nothing in that fucking house. This guy, Bob Taylor, Bill Taylor, whatever the fuck his name is. He's the guy Bob that Taylor. Jake Gyllenhaal gets in the, the foot race with and he loses mm-hmm. him. And then he finds out where this guy lives because apparently they caught him shopping at a mall looking for kids clothes and he buys a bunch of different kinds of kids clothes. So Jake Gyllenhaal goes to his house. He doesn't have fucking kids. Jake Gyllenhaal breaks into his house with and with the only funny line in the movie, which is "You bought children's clothes." <laughs> you bought, I'm buying children's clothes, man. <laughs> I fucking love that. Yeah, and then they find mazes drawn all over the fucking. Oh, we didn't even talk. We haven't even talked about what the mazes are. The fucking. Oh yeah. The bitches taking people, forcing them to drink a bunch of LSD, and then they can't leave. Oh, it's because he finished the book. No, 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 no. He escaped. I, I forget where it is, but they specifically said we oh, found Alex Jones. Yeah, he just, oh, okay. he, they lost him or he escaped. It's not too clear, but I, there's no way in hell they were going to let those kids go just because they finished yeah. a fucking maze. It's not like they're going to fucking remember. <laughs> like yeah, I said, and it's people, like, people did it. People would just Oh, you finished the maze? Just... Drink your potion. Yeah, and then they're just like, I don't know where the fuck I am. Okay, I guess it's time to go to school. <laughs> <laughs> your face is a lizard now. And um, then they fucking... He's, like, obsessively drawing mazes. Yeah, so they... I, one thing I didn't like is how they spell it out, because me watching the movie, even as, like, a young 19-year-old, I was watching him do all these things. I'm like, oh, he's play-acting. Like, he's reliving his traumatic event. And then they tell you that, like, one of the forensic people is like, it's like he's play-acting. I'm like, you didn't need to tell me. Like, I could have yeah. put it together. But that's essentially what he's doing, is he's he's keeping snakes because they make a point to say that Alex, that Holly's husband, who was also one of the kidnappers, kept pet snakes. He draws mazes because he was forced to solve mazes, and the dude had a, the, the necklace guy 
had a, a maze necklace. He collects children's clothes because he never had a childhood. He buries them and puts them in a hole because he was spent his life. He's play acting. Like, it's, yeah. it's fucking obvious. You don't need to tell me. Show, don't tell. Yeah. The cardinal rule of fucking filmmaking. I hate well, it when that Especially in this broken. movie. Especially yeah. in this movie. Um. So they find Bob Taylor and, like, Bob Taylor is kind of, like, almost this red herring of the fucking movie where it... He's really not part of it, but I still don't want him ever cut from the film. Like, if you were to do, like, a hard cut of this film, just, like, only get the information well, yeah. of what you need. Like, I, I, I love this side character of Bob Taylor. I just think it's so interesting, the damage that this can do. Not that it's, like, I'm interested like I want yeah. it. <laughs> like, the, ooh. Well, it also, I, I mean, the problem is, even if you cut Bob Taylor, you still have to substitute something, because then it doesn't really show, like, Loki's making any actual progress. Like, I feel like the whole point of Bob Taylor even entering, because um, his introduction is really good, too. And because you don't really even know that he's so fucking crazy until you yeah. see his house. Until you, yeah, like, once you see yeah, that. Yeah, like he's and creepy, I love, but he's I love not the choice to show crazy. him answering the door. So you see like the trickles of the mazes on the wall where you're like, oh, this dude yeah. is crazy. And then he opens the yeah. door and you see the whole fucking shebang. You're like, oh, you're on oh, something. This, yeah, this guy's way crazy. Um... Uh, and then, yeah, he goes into, they arrest him, Jake Gyllenhaal tries to interrogate him, he kills himself. Because Jake Gyllenhaal starts getting too too worked up with him and beating he, the shit out a, of him. I love the reaction shot of Jake Gyllenhaal um, reacting where he's like, call the RA, like, I fucking, mm. Yeah. It's just it's just me being in love with Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Jake Gyllenhaal, He's I so I adore you as a performer and an artist. And if you ever just need someone to talk to and just like We're let here. pick your brain, please We're let here. me. Just come on the podcast. You're yeah, so, this is uh, so I guess awesome. we should probably since this is our first Jake Gyllenhaal movie that we're doing. Um, I'm obsessed with him. He's my favorite actor. Uh, this is yes. a Jake Gyllenhaal loving zone only. I have nothing bad yes. to say about the man. No, he's absolutely um, wonderful. The, the, Everything the worst thing I could say about Jake Gyllenhaal is that but Velvet Buzzsaw wasn't good. <laughs> that's, that's the worst Vel thing I could say. And it's, it has nothing I to do with him. It has nothing to do with him. I know you saw Velvet Buzzsaw. Oh, shit. Oh, I watched it when I was We're good. at the Denver airport for 10 hours. Velvet Buzzsaw is... What was that other movie that... Oh, that was the same director that did Nightcrawler. So that's oh, why Nightcrawler's great. <laughs> Nightcrawler's great, and then I don't know what the fuck happened. So I think he got yeah. his ego inflated, and he went crazy. Lightning in a but, bottle. But he, um, Jake Gyllenhaal is wonderful. Everything he touches is great. But that fucking him interrogating the dude, I love that shot because I feel like a lot of it is improved. Like all yeah. the interrogation scenes seem very like kind of off the cuff. Like I'm sure they had an outline. Why'd you run away from me the other night, man? I've never seen you before. You sure you have the right house? You doing some shopping at the Value Mall lately? Yeah. <clears throat> Why? The crime to shop there? I can't afford to buy suits from Brooks Brothers. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, no. Yeah, man, you bought children's clothes. Did I? Been in a hurry. Mm -hmm. do, you have, do you have children? I don't have 
Oh, what's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? Oh, well, I have to tell you this because it has to make it into the fucking video. Because when you sent me that picture of Mark Wahlberg as the executive producer. So one of the facts that I heard about this movie was it was originally slated to star Mark Wahlberg and Christian Bale. And it was supposed to be directed by Brian Singer. <laughs> Could you imagine Brian Singer doing a movie about abducting two little girls? Oh my god, Brian Singer. That would age horribly. Oh my god. I you want to know when you sent me that. I was like, save it for the podcast, because I have something that goes along with that. Because Mark Wahlberg fucking did this movie for a while. I'm I'm so triggered by Brian Singer. Let me tell a quick story here. So I went to Comic-Con. Um, I know, none of my stories are quick and they're all awful, but I'll try to make it entertaining. <laughs> so um, I went to Comic-Con and David Hayter was there. David Hayter is a, a decent Hollywood writer. He did like House and stuff like that, but he's also the voice of the Metal Gear series of Snake. He does a lot of voices. I love Metal Gear. Um, so I go, <laughs> I go to his panel and I get up to ask a question. And my first question he kind of dismisses because he didn't want anybody to take his idea away from him and i go can i ask another question and the question i fucking ask is since i just saw bohemian rhapsody what did you think of brian singer's movie bohemian rhapsody and he shot me a look and i was confused and he answered the question very like awfully like very odd and i walked away and then the next day I got all the feed that everybody, <clears throat> the story's ruined, that everybody else had been seeing that Brian Singer is a fucking pedophile, and I realized that I came across as someone who was trying to interrogate David Hayter about Brian Singer and him being friends with him, and he That's shot me so a look like, funny. what the fuck are you trying to do to me, and I was like, <laughs> David Hayter, if you, if you remember me, um, I know the video of me asking this question is on YouTube, I watch it back because I want to relive my pain because I'm so ashamed. <laughs> Um, I am sorry. Uh, that was not my intention. I had no clue what Dave, what Brian Singer was up to. I was completely out of the loop. He's a <laughs> no dirty, idea. dirty man. Um, and it was no slight to you. Thank you. Um, I'm going to go die now. That's, That's my so story. Funny. How was it? Scale one to ten. How'd I do on that story? Oh, I think that was a good seven. The seven? Okay. You know, that's that's the highest seven I've gotten so far. Someday we'll, we'll tell a ten story. Good. Someday. One day. One day. One day when we're not already at the two hour mark. It was only the timing. The timing was bad. That was a bad time to tell the story, but I understand why. Sorry, um, it's just because I forgot. No, you're fine. Fucking Brian Singer, Mark Wahlberg, and Christian Bale. Would Mark Wahlberg be Detective Loki? Oh, I feel like he'd have to be Keller. <sighs> oh, he'd be think? Keller. I feel like he'd be Keller and Christian Bale would be Detective Loki. I... No. It is only Jake Gyllenhaal. Final final thoughts. What is what? Do you want to compare notes real quick? Uh, sure. Yeah, let's compare notes. Oh, first off, I will say my letterbox. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with all these movies of my letterbox review. And this movie gets okay. a four out of five stars on letterbox from me. Possibly even okay. four and a. Actually, it might have a four and a half from me. It's pretty fucking good. It's about. I mean, it, it's basically a perfect movie. It could. I don't have five star. I don't have a letterbox because I'm not a fucking nerd. You do have a letterbox, you just don't fucking use it, you fucking asshole. I'm not a nerd. <laughs> Writes a Final Fantasy fanfic. I'm not a nerd. <laughs> You're a nerd with your fucking social media app. <laughs> okay, so I don't have okay. a letterbox review, but if I... I give this nine Jake Gyllenhaals out of ten. Perfect, yeah. 
Yeah, but Prisoners, uh, for anybody who hasn't watched this movie and likes mystery crime movies, watch it, even though we just spoiled the absolute shit out of it. It's it's wonderful. <laughs> Our poor retelling of this movie by no means gives this movie justice. It is it is oh, one no. of the best movies I've seen. It will probably always be one of the best movies I've seen. 10 out of 10 recommend.